prayer. If you have a prayer request, if you raise your hand, we'll get a prayer card to you. Um, a couple of quick announcements. There is uh, no confirmation class today for Palm Sunday nor Easter. Administrative Council, though, is still meeting at 4, I believe, um, in the usual place. This coming Thursday, Holy Thursday Communion is at 7 in the sanctuary. And then Saturday before Easter is the Easter egg hunt at 2.30. Um, Saturday, April the 4th. Do they begin in here? Yes, it begins in here. All right. Now, do we have our video? We got... Okay. We're going to let Paige and Katie want to come up and talk, talk to you about the big effort that we had with Ellen's birthday bash. And we, not, we don't have the video? Okay. All right. We did have a video, but it disappeared. Good morning. We showed a video when we began the Ellen Project at a Wednesday supper, um, and it showed a child finding out that they had received a sponsor. And we hope to show that to you this morning, but it looks like Compassion may have changed that video or removed it, so I'm sorry we don't have that. But Paige and I just wanted to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your support of the Ellen Project. It was hugely successful and such a fun night for everyone, and we cannot thank you enough. I'm going to let Paige share the total and then I'll follow that with one more announcement. So, like Katie said, we're so thankful that you guys came out and supported us, and we had a great turnout. I mean, I was blown away by the amount of people that showed up. But our total that we raised was $5,252.09. So that was amazing, and we, I had no idea we'd raise that much, so it was great. We can support Ellen until she is 18 and able to um, work and support herself. So that is a huge gift. Um, we've also had questions about how to get in touch with Ellen or can we write her. And at her birthday bash, we did have a table set up in the back and we collected a lot of letters and pictures that we will be sending her. But Compassion has some strict guidelines on how you contact your child so that they are not overwhelmed and feel like they have to respond back to all of those. So at this time, we are not going to collect any more letters for her. The, ch the kids and the youth have all written her. We want to make sure that she receives those. But Paige and I have a lot of paperwork to do to get those to her. So for now, we're just going to work on getting what we've already collected sent to her and we'll keep you posted as we hear from her. So thank you so much. Thank you. That, I, that's, I am so overwhelmingly happy. I heard this news earlier in the week that um, we are able, going to be able to sustain this child till she's 18. And like I said, she, she doesn't know it yet, but her whole life was changed with uh, what we did that night. One other announcement I almost forgot to say. If you might notice, there's like a remodeling job up here. <laughs> you need to thank the band. They did all this work, and it looks great, doesn't it? Let's thank you. Will you stand and sing with us? Over the mountains 
God, as we enter into this holy week, we are reminded of just how amazing and incredible your sacrifice is for us. Help us to remember that and focus on that and live that this week and beyond. Be with us this morning as we come together to worship you. Bless us and focus our hearts and our minds on you as we worship. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen.
you turn and greet your neighbor and children, come forward for the children's sermon. morning. I don't know. I wondered the same thing. How are y'all? I'm glad you're here. So I made these and I wondered if you could tell by me holding them up what they are. Yes. I was afraid I was going to have to put it on for you to know. I made some crowns. So do you ever use crowns? Like if you're at school, do you get to be like student of the day and have a crown or anything like that? So we don't really use, if we don't use them like that, we don't really use crowns much anymore. Um, but the crowns do remind me of something that took place in the city of Jerusalem about 2,000 years ago. A king was visiting the city and people lined the streets hoping to get to see the king. The king was riding on what? A donkey. A donkey as he rode through the streets of the city. And some people took off their cloaks, their jackets they were wearing, and put them on the road for him to ride over. Some people waved something in their hands. Palm. Palm branches, right. And they shouted something like, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So I'm sure you know who this king is, right? Mm -hmm. Who are we talking about this morning? Jesus. That's right, it was Jesus. And today is when we remember him riding into Jerusalem and the people were cheering for him and waving those palm branches and they greeted Jesus as their king. But the only problem was it didn't last. He was really only their king for a day. Later that same week, we know that Jesus was arrested, he was beaten, he was tried, and he was crucified. And many of the same people who had cheered for him on Sunday turned against him. So now he wore a crown again, but it wasn't a good crown like these. It was a crown made of what? Do you remember? Thorns. Thorns, that's right. The Bible tells us that one day every knee will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. But the question is, why wait? We don't have to wait. We can give our heart and life to Jesus now. Jesus wants to be the ruler and the Lord of your life. He doesn't just want to be king for a day. He wants to be our forever king. Don't you think that's a good idea? Let him be our forever king? So I'm going to let you take a crown this morning. And I tried to make some different sizes, but if they don't fit, they can still be a symbol of Palm Sunday. No, just take one because I have to use them again. But after you get your crown, I want you to stay up here and we're going to say a prayer together, okay? Kevin, you want to pick one? You want to pick one? No? Okay. Will you repeat our prayer after me this morning? Okay, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, we adore you. We crown you as our Lord and King. 
We give our lives in service to you. We give our lives in service to you. And not just today. And not just today. But always. Amen. <laughs> he did a good job holding that microphone, didn't he? I tell you, we have to keep our eye on him. He might be a future preacher there. I asked you if you would remember um, the family of Sandra Thomas. That was Brenda's sister. She passed away yesterday in North Carolina. Let us bow our heads for prayer. in your mercy hear our prayers almighty God you sent your son to be our king and he came in your name to bring peace between heaven and earth and we join with all those voices that sing around the world this day Hosanna you have called us to be a chosen people and yet we must confess this day that we have been unfaithful in following your ways. What we say with our lips is not matched by our deeds. We too have denied our Lord by failing to accept the new way of life which he came to bring. So we pray this day, O Lord, that you'd have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O merciful Lord. Forgive our sin and wash away our iniquity. Renew by the power of your word and sacrament. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and send us forth, inspired once again by the great and wonderful gift of salvation that we might bring this news to the world. We're reminded that it is by the holy blood of Jesus which was shed for us that washed away the suffering that was destined for us. And we pray this day, O oh Lord, that that same blood would wash away the sufferings of those that we name with our prayer list and we name in our hearts now. Restore them to well-being. Let them proclaim your greatness and help us to uh, receive and to understand and accept your good and perfect will. We pray that you receive these things we asked. And grant them for the sake of him who gave himself up for us to take away our sin. In the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, this is Palm Sunday, but it's also Passion Sunday. 
what we have learned in the last several couple 10 or 12 or 15 or 20 years is that so many times people miss Holy Thursday. So they come in and have a celebration on Palm Sunday and then another celebration on Easter and miss really the point of, this, of it. And so we emphasize with preaching on these seven words of Christ, we want to emphasize the passion of Christ again today when we look at this next to last word. Now one of the things that I wanted to uh, remind you is that each of the gospel writers are pretty, uh, are a little bit different in what they remember as the last word of Christ. And so next week we'll look at Luke, who's been called the most complete gospel, was lit, written later with more uh, scholarship. <clears throat> and we'll look at the very last word that's been attributed to Jesus from the cross. But today we look at John's account. Once again, John 19, verse 30. Give attention to the reading of God's holy word. When he had received the drink, you remember last week he said, I'm thirsty, and he received the drink of vinegar. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, help us Easter people who much prefer to be celebrating the good news of Jesus Christ. Help us never forget your passion. Help us never forget what it cost you so that we might live. We pray in your name. Amen. So as I said last week, spiritual, spiritual thirst comes from being forsaken. Jesus suffered so that our thirst could be filled. And so we come to this statement. Now it's really interesting, any of you who are students of Greek, it is finished is the English translation of one single Greek word. This one single Greek word was a common word. It was used by the merchant class to mean that a bill had been paid a bill had been paid in full, and it was also used in that, at that time by the servant class when they reported to their masters that, their, that the work that the master had given them had been completed. So this Greek word that we translate, it is finished, was a common phrase in the culture of Jesus' time. And I believe that by realizing how it was used in those days, we can see, I think, at least three lessons that we can apply to our lives from this Greek word finished. One thing, the first thing is this, I think we should realize this is not a statement of defeat. Uh, Jesus didn't say, I am finished. Uh, Jesus said, finished or as we've translated it, it is finished. The task is complete. 
That's what that means. It's a statement not of defeat, but a statement of victory. Jesus took on the role of a servant, as we know in Philippians chapter 2, and He came and completed the task that He was called to do. And this accomplishment has brought to us wonderful benefits and brings benefits to all those that come after us. But I've often wondered, wonder what would have happened if when Jesus uh, became of age, if he had decided that he wanted a little independence from working with his uh, Joseph in the carpentry shop and decided to go out on, in the world and do his own thing. Or what if Jesus had decided uh, when he was 33 in the age uh, as we know he was when he died in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed to take this cup from me that maybe he just didn't go through with it? What if he just left uh, Jerusalem and taken off? I went back to that beautiful place, that accessory Philippi. We talked about him going the furthest north. It's a beautiful, natural place with the disciples. You remember that story? So what I see here is that Jesus, as I've said over and over and we know from the Scripture, was tempted in every way just like we are. I'm sure He was also tempted to give up. He was tempted not to finish. So to me, the first lesson is this. Victory does not come from starting. Victory doesn't come from starting. Victory comes from finishing. It is in the finishing where we find our victory. It was Christ going all the way to completion, fulfilling prophecies, taking every bit of physical and spiritual pain, dying on the cross for our sin. This finishing is what made his task complete, and he was able to say, finished. It is finished. Do you remember in uh, the Bible where there was a place in the Gospel of John chapter 4 where it's recorded, verse 34, where the disciples were trying to get Jesus to eat something. They were worried that He had been working too hard, healing people and, and preaching and teaching and traveling and He wasn't getting enough rest. They didn't think He was getting enough food and they were concerned about Him and they said to Him, here, stop what you're doing and have some food. And he responded, as recorded for us in Scripture, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish the work. I think it's important for us to see that this victory that we have comes in the fact that Jesus was willing to go and finish the job. Now, you know, that means something to us, I think, as individuals, that sometimes we lack to, 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 to get up and go to finish the work. Are we driven to finish in faith our journey here on earth? We never know when our journey is going to end. Brenda's sister, as I referred in a prayer, this week on Thursday, she was alive and well and talking. Now she had issues with COPD and was on oxygen, but Thursday she seemed fine. Saturday she died. We must learn to finish our lives in faith. This is our way of being in solidarity with the Lord and saying, it is finished. It is finished 
and into your hands, O Lord, I commit my spirit. Sometimes we start really strong in faith and we lose focus. And then we, we kind of, we go off and we go down different paths. Uh, if you want to use a sports metaphor, we drop the ball and we don't have a victory. The victory is not in the starting. The victory is in the finishing. Paul wrote to us another very important passage in, in the Philippian uh, book, book of Philippians, where he says, I am confident of this. The one who began a good work will carry it on to completion. You see, we may feel incomplete. We might feel like failures sometimes. Uh, but God has promised us that what He starts will be finished. And that's an important thing for us to remember. If God started this faith walk with you, God will finish His side of it all the way to the end. And so that someday we can say, I hope it is finished too. You know, when we say it is finished, I don't care what you're doing. When you say it's finished, do you not get a, a certain amount of satisfaction from completing whatever the task was? Don't you get joy out of that? Don't you also realize that you're fulfilling God's plans for you when you when these uh, when you find these uh, bring these purposes to fruition and finish in victory? So that's the first lesson. The victory comes in finishing in our faith. The second lesson, I think, is this. We really can't do anything to earn our salvation. It is finished. The price of salvation has been paid for. Uh, Christ, out of His deep love for us, has paid the price. The gift of salvation is that. It's a gift to us. What do we have to do? We have to accept it. We have to believe it, accept it, and live as if we believe and accept it. Uh, salvation was an expensive gift, but it really costs us very little, very little to live in acceptance of that wonderful gift. Jesus had to pay a lot of price for that. So for someone to say, and I have actually heard this, believe it or not, is I don't believe that what Jesus did was enough. That somehow or another, they can't grasp that what Jesus did was enough for our salvation. And if you remember what I said last week about there was a heresy where people said that Jesus didn't really take on the suffering, that he couldn't really do that, blah, blah, blah. I think people, when they talk like that, that's where they're coming from that point of view. You see, there is not more to it. There is nothing else to it. That is it. It was finished on the cross forever and ever and ever. Endured for you and me. And we must simply trust God and accept His gift and put our lives into His hand. Be obedient to the precepts that the Lord has given to us. That's what we have to do, to live as witnesses of that truth. It's as simple as that. We live as if we believe it, that it was finished, and it is finished, and there's nothing else to do about it. You know, it's amazing to me sometimes how often we try to do things in our own uh, power and, real, and, and find out we really can't do anything. 
and, and forget that it's really God who's at work in whatever the situation is. As a story I ran across and from the 18, uh, early 1800s. It was about the citizens of, let me get this right, Feldkirk, Austria. They were, had been surrounded by Napoleon's army in one of the Napoleon Wars in Europe. It happened to be Easter Sunday. The people had gathered in the local church to try to figure out what to do about the enemy at the gates. And the, the minister rose and said, Friends, this is still Easter Sunday. This is still the day of the Lord's resurrection. And irregardless of what is going on outside our city gates, let us ring our bells and begin our services as usual and leave the matter into God's hands. So the people agreed, and the church bells began to ring. I don't know if here at Memorial, but it used to be in lots of churches, the church bells would ring on Sunday right before the service was to start. I don't, did they have to do, ever do that here in Memorial's? Anybody know? And I know that lots of churches now, I think Memorial might be the same way. We may not even have bells, or they might be on those, uh, you know, they're like... Uh, they're on a timer or something. But anyway, so that was not unusual, especially in the 1800s, that you'd ring the bell when you start the church service. Unbeknownst to those people who are beginning their Easter service with the ringing of the bells as usual, Napoleon's army heard the bell ringing. They came to the conclusion that the Austrian army had arrived during the night to defend the town. While the service was going on, they broke camp and left. They, so when people got through the church service, the enemy had gone. The Austrian army had not shown up. The ringing of the bells. You see, oftentimes we think we've got to do something to save ourselves when our efforts are useless. The Lord used those ringing of the bells that signaled a church service and it frightened that, that uh, enemy army. You see, it's only through what Christ did for us and accepting that gift that we can be assured of the eternity of heaven. Now the third lesson is simply this. <clears throat> Finished describes not only that the plan of salvation is finished, not only that Jesus was victorious in, in his obedience to the cross and uh, bringing salvation to the world, but it is finished also describes the fate of Satan. When Christ said, it is finished, the plan of salvation was complete and it destroyed the work of Satan. Jesus came into the world to destroy the work of Satan because it was the work of Satan that brought sin into the world and separated us from God. you remember? This broken relationship with God is what's repaired by Jesus coming into the world. Now, our enemy 
might still be roaming and standing, but he has been dealt a blow, which eventually will be his end. Makes me think of, I don't know how many of you ever watched, ever watched wrestling. Um, don't, don't watch wrestling on Saturday afternoons. That's all fake. <laughs> don't watch that. Real, a real wrestling match. Uh, oftentimes, or a boxing match. Boxing match probably be a better example of this. Lots of times a person gets hit and they still stagger around for a few moments before they ever collapse. And it's, we're in that period of time where Satan is staggering around in a rage. He's in a rage because his end is near. The final blow has been hit at the cross to Satan, and it's just a matter of time that Satan finally falls over. So it is finished also means Satan's work is finished. You know, I often tell, I've told this many times, my, my little, uh, how much time have I got? My little grandson is six years old, and one, one of my little grandsons is six years old and lives over in Rock Hill, and his mother, she is about to freak out because the devil part of him keeps coming out, <laughs> okay? And I mean, you know, you all think that everybody's innocent forever, but let, let the original sin, we're all born with original sin, and sooner or later it comes out, okay? And all of a sudden it's come out in full blossom to this little fella. And she's just freaking out about it. And the thing is, is that you, you have to realize that the, the control that's, that anybody has and, and let, me, let me back up a minute. Well, I, I knew I shouldn't digress because now I'm going to do what my wife always accuses me of. She says, you tell people way too much stuff to try to get to the point. <laughs> so uh, the thing is, this little kid realizes it. He went and had to have... Um, uh, so he had to go to the doctor and they had to pull it to the dentist and they had to pull a tooth. It was difficult. Finally the tooth came out and he said, Mom, he said, all my meanness left the building with the tooth. <laughs> okay. So even he at six years old realizes, you know, that he's not being the proper behavior. I think that what we fail to remember as people is that if we are doing evil or under the influence of evil, it's because we have allowed it. We do not have to allow it. We have the power to stop it. We have the power to prevent it. We have the power to get back in control of our uh, emotions, our actions. We are free from the grip of sin that Satan had upon us. Uh, my grandmother used to, ever so often, when I was at that age and carrying on and the devil was coming out of me, my grandmother used to say, get behind me, Satan. Now, if y'all know, that's a passage in the Bible, right? Get behind me, Satan. And she was talking about me. <laughs> so get that Satan out of here. So we have the power. One little word will fail him. You know the hymn? So anyway, we should not be living with fear of the devil. We should never fear the devil. His power over us has been destroyed. 
And we should not allow him to torment us and make us feel anything less than victorious. We should remember when he is tempting us that we're a child of God and he has no real power over us. Okay, so let me final this conclude. So remember, victory comes from finishing. From finishing our life in faith. Remember that the work of salvation is complete. There's nothing else to be done except for you to accept and live a life that believes that. It's painful. And remember, the power of Satan is also finished. He's a defeated foe. So that's what we celebrate this day. I will have the conclusion of this sermon series on Thursday night when we will see the last word as reported by the Gospel of Luke. Into your hands I commit my spirit. All right. Amen. Let us stand and affirm our faith. Let us join our voices. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus the Word made flesh to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We're called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, and life in death and life beyond death. God is with us. We're not alone. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let our ushers come forward.
His dying breath has brought me